Hey, how are you? Where are you? Well, Baden, I've got a cold actually. Um, and that's why we're having a little bit of a rest here in this lovely hostel in the town of Baisa in Ecuador. So we're now in Ecuador, land of the equator. And actually we're now in the Southern hemisphere as well. So we're in our home hemisphere uh, and we've both enjoyed the luxuries of a warm shower, uh, which I think we really needed. I think we went for about three or four days, maybe even longer without taking a shower. Welcome to the How Are You, Where Are You podcast. This is an audio travelogue of our adventures by bike. Well, if we're allowed to call it an adventure, of course. Um, it's taken us away from our busy lives in London to the tranquil world of the road in Europe, Central and now South America. Our final day to destination on this bike ride is the Hutt Valley of New Zealand. In breaking news, after seven weeks and an amazing time, we dragged ourselves, well, probably pretty much kicking and screaming out of Colombia once the, uh, the road finally ran out for us in the Amazonian frontier of uh, San Miguel. Oh, I was really sad to cross that, that bridge over the River San Miguel because um, I was thinking the whole way along the road about all of the things that had happened to us from when we entered Colombia back in Capugana after getting off that boat um, and all the people we'd met and all the places we'd seen. I just spent the whole morning kind of running through the journey in my mind so that by the time we got to San Miguel... Um, it just kind of felt like I was saying a final goodbye to everybody that we'd met. And yeah, it was quite emotional for me. I don't think, did, how did you find it? I don't know. I was more like just tired of the road. It'd been a horrible road for those last few days and was sort of bumping along. And, you know, it kind of fitted the um, kind of what it's been like when we've crossed borders on our bicycles. For some reason, when you head into the border of a country, it's uh no, normally the roads are terrible like I, for some reason countries don't give a crap about the roads that are close to their borders and so yeah you know i think by the time we'd reached the frontier or the the borderlands or whatever we'd long passed you know the nice bits you know so um from that sense it was sort of easy in a way to cross the border and then um yeah, and then into Ecuador, as everyone was saying, you know, oh, you're going to find the roads really nice when you get to Ecuador. But they've been, it's been kind of different. Um, the whole, the, yeah, it's kind of strange when you cross the border and the whole feel of a place is completely different. And yeah, it's certainly been like that in Ecuador. But I guess we'll just say, we'll save that for the Ecuador podcast. This yeah. is, we're still talking, we're squeezing a little bit more out of <laughs> Colombia. We did so much in Colombia. We packed a lot in and the our final week there was no exception, really. We spent our time in the southern city of Pasto, um, enjoying the delights of their annual Carnival de los Blancos y Negros. The coolest thing about Pasto was really the family we were staying with. We were welcomed into the home of the Ledesmas, Alba and Bernardo, and they have uh, their three kids. Um, Andrea, who um, who lives in Pasto with them, but they've got two itinerant children, <laughs> Carolina, who is studying in London, and Matteo, who's in uh, a student in Bogota. And so we sort of arrived with the family at such a like a really nice, important time where Alba has got her whole family together there, and she's cooking up food for everyone. And we just sort of slipped in as uh, two more children that had returned home for the holidays. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was really cool. And we, 
yeah, just ate lots of food in their lovely house and their, their lovely kitchen and yeah, showing uh, and we were just turned up at the most brilliant time of year. Yeah, that was pure coincidence as well. Um, so the carnival, uh, Carnival de los Blancos y Negros, um, it goes, well, I mean, they know everything about it. So we were with the perfect people, you know, they're just, they're pastuso people, which is what you call people live in pasto. And uh, it runs over six days. Um, they took us along to um, the parade that celebrates um, indigenous uh, Andean groups. And you get to see um, the costumes and the dance and hear the music, which is what you can hear now. Um, but the two most important days come right at the end. Yeah, the day of the blacks and the whites. So, I don't know, it sounds, it, it probably is a bit, well, it is racist. Let's just, let's just be out there. You know, no one really tells you this in, in Pasto. It's like, oh, the black day, it's racist day. It's kind of like, the, I think it's like the dirty secret. And I think people kind of change the, uh, the meaning of the carnival to suit, um, you know, what they want to portray. Yeah, but, well, what's but, appropriate now, but yeah, the history. Now, but the history of it is that, yeah, basically uh, the slave owners um, uh, basically said on the 5th of January, you, you, the slaves can have a day off. And, um, and then what the slave owners did, and the, so the rich families, is they all painted themselves, blacked themselves up to sort of align themselves, I guess, with their slaves and like, oh, we're all mates. Uh, for one day of the year um, and yeah so we actually didn't attend the whole uh, I'm not that comfortable with blacking myself up and we were sort of told that um, you know don't go down to the the the, uh, the squares and the plazas where you know on on this day because apparently what happens is that people just come up to you with this black makeup or paint and they will just sort of grab your cheeks and smear it um, so it's kind of like a bit of a fight, and but it's all, all it's all a play fight. It's all it's all in good nature though. But yeah, for that day we um, just sort of stayed away a bit, stayed on the edges. And I think we cleaned our chains that day. Yeah, we started to do a bit of bike maintenance <laughs> instead of blacking ourselves up. But then, so I think by continuation, the following day, I think history sort of says that the slaves would then like white up is that a thing to kind of i don't know thank the slave owners for their great day off that they got once a year so in the city itself everybody chucks flour and talcum powder and they also have these big huge cans of this foam white foam white sort of soapy foam i think it, i don't know what's in it but it doesn't stain and it sort of mm. just disappears when people spread on you but it's called karaoke and um it's the, the city just turns into a battleground yeah it's incredible like you like we wore ponchos you know not to try and be your touristy wearing a poncho but they're actually like important clothing to yeah. wear during the carnival <laughs> because they protect your clothes and like you step outside the front door like literally i was just like pulling the door closed at, at the at the, at the Ledesma's house and then someone's like flower bond me or talcum powder bond me straight away you know talcum powder i mean who uses talcum powder apart from on a baby's butt but um literally sacks and sacks of talcum powder is brought into pasto and people are just chucking it around and anyone is fair game once you step outside your house um you're li liable to be attacked and of course us being foreigners um 
you know, you, you can't go down to the corner and get some empanadas without um, just being randomly sprayed or flower bombed, and uh, you just take it on the chin. Yeah, so Bain and I decided to get in on the action. These big cans of carioca are like a big part of the festival here in uh, Pasto. And every time you're walking down the street, you're basically fair game. You can be under attack. You've been attacked a lot, Shelley, with these uh, cans of white spew that come out and sort of <laughs> cover your clothes. Yeah, I think it's pretty harmless, but sometimes it gives you a fright. And because we are foreigners, we get targeted especially. So I'm surprised right now no one's spraying us in the face. It's still quite early in the morning. I think we're going to get pretty total because the other thing today is because it's the white day of the festival. Yeah. Everyone's got flour as well, so you get sprayed and then you get flour bombed. So and then it turns into a kind of dough all over your body, yeah, <laughs> in your mouth and eyes. <laughs> so um, before we get sort of hammered by everyone else, we thought that we should probably hammer each other and have a bit of a duel. Okay. So right down here, before the carnival arrives, this is the battleground, and our friend Mateo here is going to do a little bit of commentary for us. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Bueno. Baden y Shelly se están preparando para atacarse mutuamente. Esto será una gran batalla. Baden está preparándose. Shelly sonríe. Van a van a dar hacer un duelo, se van a separar. Bueno, muchachos, a la cuenta de tres. Una, dos, tres. Acérquese, están jugando. Baden está ganando, Shelly lo ataca en la cara. Shelly sigue ganando, lo moja por la espalda. Baden está inofensivo, sus ojos han quedado fuera de combate. Shelly grita. Baden ha terminado con toda su cara llena de carioca. Baden ha perdido esta batalla, señoras y señores. Baden ha perdido. Shelly ha salido victoriosa. Baden is defeat. ¿Cómo te sientes, Baden? Uh, well, I'm quite covered in uh, white stuff and I can hear all that bubbling around in my ears. I think Shelly just used unfair tactics on me. Yeah. Oh, I feel fantastic, filled with confidence and adrenaline and filled with foam as well. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mateo. I'm sitting here with Carolina, uh, Carolina Ledesma, and we're staying in her house for the uh, du duration of the carnival, <laughs> being very kind, the whole family. Um, hello, Shelley, and uh, thank you for the interview. Why is this the best day? Why, what, what day is it today of the, of the carnival? Um, Wait, if I say that, it might sound a bit weird, but okay, today is the date of the... Um, Blancos. Sí, el Día de los Blancos. Sí. Y why um, is it the best day? It's the best day because um, all, the, um, all the artisans, uh, they participate and they made this amazing um, crown, uh, carrozas. Mm -hmm. So like big parade floats? Yes. Yeah. No, but um, everything is... Um, Everything we will see today is um, is handmade, and they've been working on it uh, during the year. They've been planning the idea of every single float. Every single float has been planned for a year. Every single participant in the float also, the the makeup, the clothes, 
and special the, the idea on it, because the most important is the idea. The, this carnival is about expressing themselves as, a, as an Arinienses and as a Pastuzos. And they try to recreate and show um, their, their traditions, their beliefs, and they want to show uh, the whole world how we think, how we are, and which ones are our priorities. And our priorities is to try to uh, always enhance the, the, the values of the Nariñenses as a really uh, working people, hardworking hard working people, and as a ha happy people, uh, wherever, are the, wherever is the situation, we always try to keep positive and just uh, stand up and just keep going. we did when we were in Pasto was a little bit of uh, route planning and we needed to get to Ecuador, Quito to be specific and there are two basic ways of doing that. You can either go the sensible and most direct and kind of most trafficy route um, or there is another like slightly quieter route. Um, it's a kind of a less touristy version of Bolivia's famous most dangerous road in the world. Um, so yeah that was our choice and Guess which one we took? <laughs> yeah, we uh, we went for the most dangerous road in the world. Um, well, one of them, I suppose. And before we tackled it, we stayed with this friendly guy um, from the Warm Showers website called Kabunga. He's sort of an well, he's a real amazing guy, like inspiring, incredibly hardworking, very spiritual, and really in touch with this whole indigenous um, culture and and way of life and. Um, yeah, we had the lucky experience of being able to hang out with him, be in his presence at home in the Sibondoy Valley. Walking away from the farmhouse now towards where the cows live. And Kabunga is ahead of me with some milk cans. And I'm a bit nervous about what we're going to find, which is probably going to be cows. And I might have to milk them. What a start to the day. Very nervous about today. We have a lot of climbing to do on a road with a very bad reputation. We already ran into some cycle tourists yesterday who were on a tandem and had had to turn back because the road was too bad for them and they kept falling off. So, right, okay. It's very muddy in this farm. Walking alongside what looked like beans and this farm is in the middle of nowhere. We rode here last night and Kabunga said uh, from the town, he said, oh, it's only a 12 minute ride. Oh, it took us about 40 minutes to ride here down a dirt road with no lights. And then eventually, yeah, we found our way here and um, came quite far from the track as well to his actual farmhouse in the dark. So yeah, this morning woke up, looked out, 
at just this most incredible view right across this valley with kind of just trees and crops and <clears throat> birds and you know no no sort of city infrastructure as far as the eye could see and um yeah now we're uh, embarking on a bit of a milking exercise so people drive in the night or near the night and then they get sleepy and then sometimes they fly off the edge of this road and this is what gives it the name El Trampolín de De la Muerte, que no se llama así No? Es un periodista que le colocó esa fama Ah He says that some journalist just called it this to... Un titular de un periódico. Y les gustó. Y lo colocaron así el trampolín de la muerte. Pero es una vía fantástica. Oh, so it was like a headline in the newspaper. Desde Bogotá a Mocoa, la mejor vía y colorida y bonita es esta vía. Sí, hay que tener cuidado como en todos los caminos, pero es muy bonito. Oh, okay. So he's saying it's the best road, the road from Bogotá to Mocoa, which is a town nearby. And tiene you... mucha agua, tiene mucho verde. Oh, wow. Hello. Getting some interest from the Queen, La Reina. But you have to just be careful like every road. Um, and it's got beautiful like waterfalls and beautiful mountains and trees and but yeah the so this road is it's not really called el trampolin del muerte it's just a headline that a journalist made up in a newspaper and everyone liked it so it stuck we are halfway up the road of death road of death road of death or El Trampolin de la Muerte. And, well, it's not massively death-defying so far. There's been barriers the whole way up. What, we've come uh, 6K from the town of San Francisco. We've climbed about 400 meters. Is that all? Yeah. Oh. So, but, but I don't know. The, we met this guy, Felipe, downtown, and he said uh, it's 12K to the top. So supposedly we're halfway there, but Shelley refuses to believe these sorts of statistics. Never, never believe, never. Hey, Felipe was an honourable guy. <laughs> so we are halfway up and uh, it's really hard. I felt like pushing my bike a couple of times and even just looking up at the next turn, it looks about 18% going around that hook there. So yeah, it, it is tough. And um, there's lots of evidence of you know, why they perhaps call this the road of death. All the subsidence on the road and, you know, warning signs of avalanches. Yeah, we're cool though, we're cool, we're rocking it. Um, I was talking to Kabunga's brother last night and he said, well, I said, you know, why is the road so bad? You know, like, well, why does the government fix it? I mean, clearly, look here, just coming now, it's another pickup truck and he's got stuff loaded on the top, a motorbike in the back, as long with three people sitting in the back and three in the cab with him. 
you know, and we've seen plenty of those. This road is really well used. So I said, why doesn't the government fix it? And uh, he said, basically, they've abandoned us. And I think that's what uh, the residents sort of feel. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a shame, really, because it probably should be fixed up. Kabunga's brother said that they've been working on it uh, for six years, you know, doing roadworks on it. But, you know, the 6K that we've come up the climb, uh, we haven't seen any evidence of six years' worth of work. There's very little engineering at all on the road. Anyway, let's see how we go for the next 6K. And I promise you, Shelley, it will be the top. We made it to the top. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're not dead. No, we're not dead. We're still we're alive. Yeah, we're a bit chilly. We're down the other side now, and it's much more dramatic on this side. Um, a lot more um, damage to the road. The road's just fallen away, and you know they've got the guardrail on the side of the road, and sometimes it's just like hanging in empty space. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay, I think there was meant to be road there. Um, we've passed from the land of uh, danger of avalanches to danger of landslides. And personally, I'm not actually entirely sure what the difference yeah, is. Yeah, I was going to say, what is the difference? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, there's two different words. There must be difference between them, but they both sound pretty dangerous to me. Um, yeah, so we're actually standing right next to a landslide or it could be an avalanche, <laughs> we're not sure. Um, but yeah, it, there have been a few of them and this is actually one of the smaller ones. Um, and it's quite frightening. I know um, Kabunga was telling us that 15 years ago, um, there was a huge avalanche that actually ended up wiping out, like wiping 50 cars off the road and killing a load of people. So some of them can be absolutely enormous. But yeah, everywhere you look, you can just see the scars of them on the mountainside where they've come down and been you know, sort of vaguely cleared away and probably just bulldoze it over the edge of the road down the cliff. Um, yeah, so we're just taking it easy and sticking to the, the side of the mountain. And uh, most of the time uh, there's there's enough space for, for us in a car, one other car on the road. Uh, but for trucks and things, we sort of slow down and pull over. So yeah, it's a little bit hairy actually, isn't it, Bay? Yeah, it's not as bad as I thought it would be, but um, like the brakes are holding up. My dodgy back tyre seems to be surprisingly holding up and we ate, I think it was some sort of cow foot soup for lunch. Yeah, they said it was duck soup. Oh no, pato also means foot. Yes, that's what I said. Oh my god, I was like, ooh, yum, a duck soup, that would be delicious. But pato, pato means duck and it also means foot. Yeah, right. That it was definitely foot. Yeah. I'm like, which part of the duck is this? <laughs> Yeah, so, okay, cool. Well, we um, we don't have too much more to go, do we? Yeah, we'll go heaps. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've got about 50k going downhill. There's probably going to be more ups. Yeah. And maybe it could be more treacherous. Well, it's actually quite gloomy, and there are a lot of crosses along the road. So it's kind of a spooky road. And occasionally you go past these really damp, um, kind of rocky cliff sides, and they sort of overhang, and they've got ferns coming off them, and... Very atmospheric. Yeah. The road of the dead is starting to lose, let's just say a few of its fun qualities. <laughs> I'd say like in the last, well, I don't know, 10 kilometers, which has probably been two hours, the road has dramatically worsened in my belief. Like, I don't know, I'm starting to lose it a bit now because having doubts about are we going to get to Makoa we've already tried we've already so when we started we were going to go to this place via Garçon but then a few people have told us that 
um, turn off to Via Garçon is um, like shocking road. It's all downhill, but shocking road. And now experience on this, on this road, when you're going down, it takes just as long as going up almost. <laughs> so the thought of that has kind of put us off with the promise that the, the other point in that turn off to Mokoa is paved and downhill. So that should be much quicker. But the rate we're going, it's four o'clock now. It looks like we're going to be doing that uh, at uh, night time. Even if we get there, I mean, we might have to sort of uh, start thinking about whether we're going to be camping tonight. Oh my gosh. I think that uh, we're in a real kind of misty, rainy world right now. And it's, it's very beautiful and um, it's very special, but it's also meant the road is really slippery. It's just absolutely covered in big rocks and we're just slipping and sliding all over the place. And it's, um, it's really tough. So it's just, I'm trying to kind of remember like, okay, this is an adventure and you know, we're out here and we're, yes, we're on an isolated crazy road and this is going to be a great story. Um, because as soon as you lose heart and as soon as you, um, become upset or angry or any of those things the whole thing just just takes on such a sour note yeah and yeah that's kind of been the story of me in the last 5k or so and so I've had to do a bit of CYA uh, choose your attitude and so I'm choosing to be uh, maybe a little bit optimistic despite the fact that <laughs> that serpentine like corner up there that looks to be about see in the mist. you can barely see in the mist <laughs> Looks about, uh, I don't know, another 20% around that corner. <laughs> um, yeah, the stats are all against us. Actually feels, since we've just been talking, that the mist is rolling in even further. Yeah, so yeah. we're heading back up to 2,000 metres again. God knows how much we're going to have to drop or climb back up. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. Good on your road of death. You've been a blast. Cycle touring is a funny old game sometimes. Literally just 500 metres lower, or 500 metres down the road from where we are now. Um, I'd lost it, I was moaning, I was tired, and uh, had, didn't have much hope that we'd be able to make it to Makoa tonight. And then it's kind of, I guess it's a bit of a serendipitous moment, because literally we rounded this corner and there was a restaurant. And so I said to Shelley, oh, do you want to stop? Maybe we could get some advice. And so uh, there was a busload of passengers sitting along this bench here at, uh, at the restaurant Los Cristales. Um, there was a busload of passengers sitting here, Jorge and Christian, who uh, work here at the restaurant. And so I got some advice, and it was all, don't go any further. Mm. You, know, you know, it's getting dark, the road is dangerous, you know, it is called the road of death after all. Mm. And they persuaded us that we should stay here. It, did, they didn't, it didn't take much persuading. No, we were pretty keen to stop, especially when they told us that there was what? Christian, hay más, um, más de 10 kilómetros subido, de subido. Yeah, yeah, so we're going to climb up for another 10 kilometers from here on this rough road. And yeah, Jorge, uh, his father said basically, no, it's too dangerous. And so, so Christian, um, Jorge's son is here. So Christian... Por qué es la ruta peligroso por cyclists? Why is the route dangerous for cyclists? Yeah, porque en, en, en la noche. Ah, es peligroso porque hay hay lugares en que usted no ve los huecos 
y, y usted por ejemplo se distrae un ratico y usted se, se cae al, al vacío uh -huh, porque uh -huh. esos son despeñaderos uh -huh. profundos sí, son sí. bien profundos y, y si usted se distrae o sea tiene que ir bien bien pilo ahí Okay. Y más que todo en la noche no se puede viajar porque la nube, la neblina uh -huh. eh, es muy peligrosa, le tapa la, la, la vista y, y es mejor viajar de día. Su es la cliente en un una traducción y tiene clientes. Okay, so Christian's saying there that um, it's best to uh, travel in the daytime, obviously, because at night the clouds roll in. And look, Faden, look right now, you can, the road is becoming obscured even now. Yeah, literally 10 minutes ago we could see across the other side of the mountain range and now there are, it's covered in cloud. Yeah, so he said because of all the holes in the road and the deep, like very, very deep drop-offs, like really steep and really far down, You know, if you hit a pothole and slide or anything like that, you can easily just pop over the edge. Yeah. I mean, Jorge said that, um, was telling me that there was a cyclist a wee while ago who, um, yeah, it was getting a bit dark, it was late in the day, and he went to take a drink from his drink bottle and then hit a stone and then uh, fell off the side of the road. Yeah, and then the Red Cross had to come and, like, try and, like, hoist him back out of there. Yeah. And also, I was talking to um, a van driver, you know, carrying lots of passengers, and he's been doing this route for uh, 10, uh, 10 years, twice a day, between Sibundoy and Mokoa, uh, taking passengers. And, um, yeah, he said he's seen several accidents, and he just, yeah, he was just like, do not cycle anymore. So, hence, we're not cycling. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they put us up in their storage room uh, with the bananas, uh, the ripening bananas. So, uh, yeah, we are very comfortable. We're about to sit down for um, a nicely prepared meal. I mean, it's worked out really great. You had this kind of weird, lovely shower. Yeah, I just um, showered behind a black polythene curtain with a bucket, and it was delightful. And I'm not being sarcastic. I was really, really stoked. <laughs> I just had what we call in the business a horse bath. Oh, are we allowed to say that? I don't know. I don't know, but uh, basically that's just a couple of wet wipes and a... It's a bit of a flannel wash. bit of a flannel wash, yeah. yeah. Because I've got a bit of a cold and I don't want to get all the cold water. I it am a bracing. sook. It was, it was bracing, bracing and refreshing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's worked out pretty well. We've still got 38 kilometers to make to Mokoa tomorrow, but we get to leave in the early morning. They open here at 6 o'clock for breakfast. So I think it's going to work out just fine. Soup's ready. A new day, new perspective, how shall we? Yeah, feels so much more cheerful now with the sun shining and just a real sense of relief that we did not keep going last night. Yeah, we made a perfect decision to stay with Christian and George, or Jorge, Christian, at uh, their restaurant last night. And yeah, and even though, like, we haven't even done 5K yet today, we've done 4.8 and it's taken us 48 minutes. <laughs> So if you imagine in the mood we were last night, if we were to continue climbing, we're almost at sort of the, uh, the top of the first climb of the day, I think. And uh, I would have been dreadful. It would have just been awful. We would have both been in a really black mood, probably would have said really awful things to each other and one of us might have had a tantrum. Or And I don't know, you know, what other option we would have had to sleep to, to sort of give up for the night. Like that was kind of the last chance saloon, really. Yeah, nine hours sleep. And... 
you know, today the cloud has lifted off the hills, the views are spectacular, we've seen some great things on the road, we've, we've crossed our first couple of fords, um, you know, small sort of river stream crossings, which Shelley's not so good at. Hey, I was fine, I'm just a bit cautious, that's all. <laughs> we've seen, um, you know, more big trucks come past, and in particular a Chiva, which is like a truck half truck, half sort of transportation. And there were like, I don't know, maybe about 15 people sitting on the roof of that. Inside it was jammed. I mean, I think those guys are the real death defiers on this <laughs> this road of death. They were all waving at us. Hi! I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Teetering on the edge of a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Okay, well, um, yeah, we do feel a lot better about the road of death today. Although my cold has got a bit worse. Oh, are you sure you're going to be all right? Do you think it will be fatal? It, it could be. I think maybe we use that rope that's on the back of your bike and you can tow me the rest of the way. Is that something good? Then I can just sleep on the back of my bike. Um, okay. Thanks, Shao. That is the sound of the Rio Pepino, which, with my bad Spanish, I've translated to Cucumber River. So we are, that means we're finally down um, off the crazy death road mountainside that we've been on for two days. And towards the end, um, it was just so much descending over all this bumpy, rocky road. My arms were all tired and sore from jiggling around my neck, my back. Everything was kind of hurting my wrists and my brakes are pretty well worn out now. Um, and when we finally got to a bit of paved road, oh, it was so nice. Yeah, it did feel amazing. And it looks like the paved road continues on here at a bit of a crossroads. So the original plan was to go to Via Garçon, um, but now we're thinking maybe go to Makoa. But now that I see the road to Via Garçon, apparently it's more off-road to get there. I'm thinking, well, I don't know, shall we go there and make it easy for tomorrow, or should we go to Makoa and rest and help me get over this cold? What do you think, Shal? I really don't know. Um, I'm. I'm not really keen to do more off-roading stuff after the last however many hours of cycling we've done. Yeah. Um, well, everyone has told us to go to Makoa because apparently we'll see lots of um, waterfalls and things along along the road. And um, another guy, well, a couple of people actually, said, oh, Makoa, it's a fin del mundo, the end of the world. And I'm like, why? Uh, do you, did you understand why they were saying that? Yeah, I did. The, in uh, Mokoa, there's a um, kind of tourist attraction famous waterfall and basically the land comes to an end and the water just dives off a cliff and it looks like the end of the world. Oh, okay. Well, we should go check that out then. <laughs> yeah. So, well, that's the end of the Al Trampolin del Muerte, uh, the road of death. We've been here in Ecuador now for five days and finding it quite hard cycling, but more detail on that in the next podcast. Baden, what's up next for us? Well, we're heading for Quito. Um, yeah, we've got to climb up over 4,000 metres to get over there and uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that 
sounds easy the way you just whisked it up there. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I thought it sounded like I had a fair bit of trepidation, which is probably the case. I don't know how you breathe up at three and a half thousand meters when we've got colds and stuff, but yeah. I guess we'll find that out tomorrow. Yikes. Well, that's our podcast for this time. Thank you very much for listening. As always, we love to know how you are and where you are. You can email us, you at gmail.com or go to our blog, howareyouwhereareyou.com. You can post a comment under this podcast or you can also find links to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Thanks as always to the talented Callum Campbell for the original music on the podcast. Uh, Baden's online at Baden C on Twitter and Baden Cycling on Instagram. And yeah, that's us for now. Ciao. Bye.